This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Wednesday, November 6, 2019. My guest is the one and only Techie Supreme. That is Fiona. Hi, Fiona. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yay! Is uh, Techtober, well, it's over now, I guess. Phone apocalypse, is that the time of year we're at? Uh, is that treating you well? Are you surviving? Uh, doing okay. I didn't really get much of the, the events, but definitely still, you know, doing the news and getting the devices and things like that. So I'm keeping busy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a rough time for sure. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you. I saw that you got that Alcatel phone, the flip phone with KaiOS. So we want to talk about that because I don't think I've talked about it much on the show. Okay. But to start, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about the Xperia phones because I know you played with the Xperia 1 a while back, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a pretty good handle on that. So Sony launched an Xperia 5 phone. They launched it at IFA, actually, but they, when they launched it, it was very, very quickly obvious that it's like the compact version of the Xperia 1, like basically slightly smaller, right? Okay. So I thought if you've got some, had some time with the Xperia 1, you pretty much know everything except imagine a slightly smaller battery and a slightly smaller display, right? So what were your thoughts on that phone when you played with it? Uh, well, I just, like I said, I had a hands-on at Mobile Congress of the Xperia 1, and I know there was, I mean, you know, it's Sony, so there's always a big uh, camera focus, and then there was also a pretty big uh, display focus. So, you know, I mean, that's pretty much kind of the beginning and the end of of that device of Sony devices in general, you know, and you really want to talk about uh, something that is... You know, when I like, I was thinking about it before before we started to talk, and I'm like, more and more as we continue to see Sony devices, it seems like it is a lot less about actually releasing the phone for people and more to kind of display the technology. So whether it's you know whatever kind of tweaks and improvements are made, you know, even if you know maybe something that's not necessarily. Um, super apparent to us as reviewers and things like that but whatever you know there's 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 always that sense that they're bringing out something new so there might be something different maybe we always joke that we're kind of like their test beds or you know they're they're like built-in test beds for everything so i feel like that's again there's we we talk about it right after the launches and but there's not really so much of a delving in so like i said for me at mobile World congress it was like handling the device and then you don't really you know you don't really talk about it again until the next device comes out and you kind of just do the due diligence and then it's just like okay you know it looks the same maybe it's bigger maybe it's smaller and that's really all you can say <laughs> so yeah you know i feel like the sony phones are always a good technological showcase but they're always so hard to recommend right because i mean ultimately when you try to use them they're good but they don't stand out as like oh wow this is super awesome and i really want this right and that's kind of the challenge I find with them is that I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Should I, 
or shouldn't I? Like if I was a consumer, that would be my big question. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there, like the display 21 to 9 aspect ratio. If you like to watch movies, that's the thing. The Xperia 5 carries that over. Um, instead of a, like, a, I think it's almost a 4K display on the on the Xperia 1. This has a 1080p display, but it is 6.1 inches instead of 6.5. So the phone is so much more compact and easy to hold, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you like smaller phones or do you, do you like really big beastly ones? I feel like I'm kind of coming back around to smaller devices, honestly. Like when, when we first got into the smartphone craze, I was definitely, you know, like I was definitely a fan of the larger devices. But even then, it's like, it's pretty much like this, the size of the older, like, you know, when we, when we called them phablets, the size of the older large devices are pretty much the size of, what we consider small now. So I feel like I've kind of not really even backtracked, but I'm kind of stuck there where, you know, whatever, you know, it may be five years ago, a 3.5 inch display would be a certain size and you'll have a 6.1 inch display in that same frame now. So that's kind of where I am. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, it's a, it's always a compromise between is this phone comfortable to use, but at the same time, do I get the real estate I want, right? Yeah. And and honestly, I felt with the 6.5 on the Xperia 1 that the phone, even though it was narrow and easy to hold, like when I reviewed it in August or when it was July, it was like, I liked the width, but the height was too high. I couldn't reach the, uh, the notification shade as easily and stuff. And, you know, I don't watch a lot of video on my phone. So the 21 by uh, nine aspect ratio for me is not like a killer feature, Mm -hmm. but I did appreciate the quality of that display. Um, so this is nicer because now it's a little narrower even, right? Because obviously it's a, it's a scaled down. So I feel that it might be a little too narrow for some things like typing on the keyboard on the Xperia 5 is a little harder because it's much narrower, right? But the height is right and it really feels easy to grip because it's so narrow. So I think that, you know, for me, having scaled down that phone from 6.5 to 6.1, I think is the right thing to do. If you... The gut feeling I have now that I've used both is that if you're going to pick one of these up, you might want to pick the five. And the other reason for that is battery, right? So the big one is a 3330 milliamp hour battery. And as you know, that ain't much, right? Like for a phone that size, you know, most phones today are what, like 4,000, 3,800, something like that. At least. So we'll complain if it's like 39. I know, right? So so I was like, what? And so the interesting thing, though, is that the Xperia 5 has almost the same size battery. Mm-hmm. It, it's like 3140. So it's, okay. you know, very close. And, you know, of course, it's smaller. And it has a smaller display in terms of pixel numbers. So that means it's possibly going to have the same battery life. I haven't really put them side by side to try that out yet. But really, at that point, that's another reason why I feel like if you're going to pick one of the two, then pick the smaller one because the battery life should be almost the same. And then the third thing, Fiona, that I think is really interesting about this phone is that it's $799 instead of $949. At $799, that makes a lot more sense to me because it's like it's got the same cameras as the Xperia 1, like that three 12 megapixel setup that has like a regular and a wide and a tele times two tele zoom and the zoom and the main have ois like they they really did their homework the specs are on point right yeah but here's the thing and i I don't know what your experience was like with the one but 
for me, it's just that camera is good, but not, again, it's like the whole phone. It's good, but it doesn't blow me away, and it certainly doesn't play in the same league as like a Pixel does or an iPhone does, right? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I feel bad for Sony because they make <laughs> such good cameras. Yeah. And I want to love it, but I'm not... And, you know, they're telling me, like, in the briefings and stuff, I don't know what they told you, but you, you got the spiel. What? Yeah, you know, we're finally getting serious about the cameras on phones because we have a camera division. That's what they told me. They need to update the design. They need to update So it's the, the design, design you have issues with. Tell me about that. That's the same design we've been seeing since time immemorial. Like... You know, we all know that, you know, devices are just like, you know, square boxes. And as much as we like to kind of poke fun at other at other brands for whatever wacky design or color they have, I feel like there is that sense that they're even at least listening to, you know, just outside input, listening to consumers and things like that when they tweak this or, you know, do that. But Sony has been so stringent about keeping this, you know, tall and very boxy shape for their devices. And you really like there really is no telling one, you know, if you were to like line up like five Sony devices, you know, tall, (laughs) you know, tall, you know, big or, you know, big or small, you would not be able to say maybe if you put them face down and you can like look at each you know, each uh, camera or something like that, you might, even then you might not be able to do it. That's where I kind of even just think about the idea of, is this really a consumer product or, or is it just the showcase of the technology? Uh, It's really actually really funny. A couple weeks ago, I was looking at one of my old portfolios and I found this article that I wrote for one of my old publications. And this was like back in like 2015 or so. And it was about the Xperia Z4. And it was literally about, you know, how can how can Sony turn things around? And it's 2019 and we're still asking that same question. It's a broken record. We're saying the same thing, right? Like I'm saying the same thing about Sony phones for the last, I don't know, it feels like a decade now. Yeah. Almost. But you're right. And and I mean, I actually like the squarish design. I don't mind, but I have to say it's very boring in many ways. Like it's yeah. it's it feels good in hand because it's narrow and it's pretty thin. Um, and it's got rounded edges, not 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 as harsh looking and a harsh feeling because it doesn't have that side flat sides. But I feel like, yeah, it's like, uh, hello, guys. Uh, oh, maybe you'll appreciate this, Fiona. The camera pod is no longer centered. It's on the left side now. Does that make a difference to you? Um, <laughs> I mean... I feel like even with even with like colors, like I know like Sony does have colors, but like, you know, like that is like the trend where it's like like you can even if it's like, oh, this phone is boring, this phone is whatever, even you know, you you have a pixel that's got your oh so orange and you can people can squeal about that. And you know, even if you have an alternate color of a, of a Sony device, there's not really like I said, there really isn't that stand that standout. And every you know, everybody's moving, you know, e- even that everyone's moving their cameras all over the back of the phone like you know that like i said i can't remember who tweeted it out i think it was max from xda and he just had like uh-huh. all of them lined up and he's like like what which is the ugliest i saw that <laughs> i know it was great i was like but but it's interesting i don't know why that makes it interesting but it does but and then it's like yeah it's not you know it's kind of it's kind of weird 
But again, they all have, there's all different colors. Even if, you know, even if it's white, it's a little bit shiny. You have, you know, everybody stole that, that kaleidoscope color from Huawei and ran with it. The interesting thing to me here is that they keep sending me the black ones. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm like, send me the purple one at least. Like they have some cool colors. Yeah. But they keep sending me the black one. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm kind of an ambassador for these devices when I use them and review them. Mm -hmm. You know, I shouldn't be, but I am. We all are. And like, why don't you give the media the best colors? Exactly. Like, why give them the boring colors? I don't understand. Like, why why do you even have a black (laughs) at this point? When you see what China is producing, why do you even have a black? Like, I, I'm, when I searched for the specs just a second ago, there's a beautiful burgundy red there. Mm-hmm. Like, why couldn't I get that? It doesn't have to be the purple, but hey, you know, like, geez. So it's a mixed bag. But look, the reality is it's a full-on flagship. Snapdragon 855, you know, all the specs, all the cameras, all the, display, all the good stuff, and a pretty clean build of, of, of Android, not too contaminated, for $799. So if you're looking for a phone that has really excellent audio, a pretty good camera, um, and, and a really good display, and you really like to consume content, I think the Xperia makes sense, and especially the 5, because it's $799. And at that point, it competes well with all the other flagships, right? Um, honestly, I, I feel like that's a little bit pricey for this point in the year when we're like a month away from the new Snapdragon flagship being announced. And like, we're already seeing, you know, devices like, you like, like the, um, what is it? Like the OnePlus 7 Pro and things like that. They're, those are already getting discounted. Granted, granted, we're about to be to like holiday season. Like I can understand that. But like I said, I feel like to kind of, you know, if someone is kind of like very spec focused and understands, you know, the ins and outs of devices, it would be pretty easy for someone to kind of say, well, hey, this kind of has a very similar uh, feature makeup to something else. And this is like half the price right now. Yeah. So if, if, if someone's yeah. in kind of like an impulse buy, well, not necessarily impulse, but just like, hey, I'm I'm picking out a phone. I, you know, I, you know, I'm, you know, not I'm not like married to any one brand and I'm just picking out a device. It would really be easy to to not to to not choose the Sony device because like I said, there might be, in addition to the price, there might be something else that catches someone's eye and then they're like, oh, well, again, like like we said, oh, this is a cool color. Maybe the, maybe the camera's a little bit better. Maybe it's a little better handling and things like that. And it's $500 or whatever, you know? So that's, you know, like I said, at this, if this was, again, even if this was like a little bit earlier in the year, maybe it would make sense. Yeah, and even like I said, even I mean, obviously, like Xiaomi, Xiaomi's, you know, in in translation at least. Obviously, the the new Xiaomi devices aren't coming to the U.S., but in translation, you know, it would still be arguably, you know, more affordable than 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 a Sony device. So it would really be, you know, at this point, it would really be price wise. I feel like it would be a challenge to pick the Sony Xperia Five. Yeah, you know, even with like as much as you try to redeem it, there's it's just that uh like yeah, like you want to give it to it, give it to them, but it's like oh, like there's still that caveat everywhere. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I feel like personally that 
you know, it's it's just it's just a matter of context, right? Like if you start putting Oppo and Vivo and yeah. Xiaomi and and OnePlus into the ta- on the table, like you, you, it's different. It's a different story, right? I'm just saying that yeah. you know people who are looking for something specifically about consuming content, yeah, uh, like videos in particular. This is where this phone really shines, and yeah. and I think that you know if you look at it, six gigs of RAM, one twenty eight gigs of storage, uh, like the Pixel Four you know, starts at $799 with 64 gigs of storage. So, you know, but then you're going to say, you know, you can buy a OnePlus 7T, right? With yeah. 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage for $599 or whatever. It's great, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's all a matter of perspective. I'm just, I just want to give them credit for actually bringing the price to a place where I think it's somewhat competitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for some people, the Sony brand has a lot of, you know, kind of momentum, I guess. And then I feel like if you are consuming video and stuff and, you know, some, some of the features on that phone, like the, the, the cinema app for recording video is really, really good and really unique. And you, you can't even get that from an app like Filmic. So, you know, again, if you like, if that's what you're looking for, maybe that's, that's why, but I I feel like it's a step in the right direction. I just don't feel like I can recommend it hundred percent yet is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, I will say for a plus, we do have like a decent amount of expandable storage on the device. I can say that as a plus. We've got up to uh, micro SD, up to one one terabyte. So that's a that's a and that's getting less and less common, right? Like yeah. I mean, look, one plus doesn't have that. Pixel doesn't have that. And so you know, that's another thing. But the, on the negative side, no headphone jack, which I feel for Sony is a big minus, right? Especially yeah. because they're positioning this as <laughs> a, a consumption device. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the speakers are really good and they have obviously an adapter in the box uh, for the headphones uh, and they even provide earbuds in the box with a 3.5 millimeter jack. So actually the earbuds they provide, you have to use the adapter to use, which is interesting. Um, but it's the same with the Xperia 1. They did the same thing for well, that. that. Well, hey, that's also another plus in, you know, again, in comparison to a Pixel where I'm just like, you're like literally going to ship this thing out with no audio support. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the problems. But I mean, let's see what happens. I just feel like, you know, they've always been overpriced and underdelivered, And I feel like it underdelivers a lot less. And it's actually at a price point where, you know, unless you compare it to like the Chinese, it's it's competitive, right? And that's that's good news, I think. You yeah. know, maybe. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm coming from on this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I haven't really played with it long enough to really uh, let anyone know here on the show whether the camera is better than the Xperia One. It should be exactly the same because the specs are exactly the same, and I don't think they add anything significant into the software to make it any different. And so I don't see it being you know, being much different. And for me, cameras obviously matter a lot. And Mm -hmm. Sony does speak about the cameras a lot in their literature. So, you know. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's the Sony. Do you want to talk about the the Alcatel maybe? Because that's also a really interesting phone. What is, what's your take on this one? Well, I actually still have my, um, I still have my unboxing to do, uh, but I did get a hands-on when Alcatel was in town. So that was my first experience with the device. And again, it's my my running joke, and I don't even remember what the tweet was, but uh, anytime I think of a small device, I always think of Sasha Segan because he's like the patron saint of small devices. So anytime there's anything that's like you know five five inches or smaller 
you always think of Sasha. So that was just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that was, that's kind of my, my first joke about it. But I do think it's, it's kind of interesting to kind of reintroduce this at a time where like, again, we just came from the, uh, from the Samsung developers conference and they, they teased their their foldable clamshell and that you know we've been talking about other other brands that um that are kind of experimenting with their own versions of of that we've got razor and things like that so it's really interesting to kind of to kind of have it still be like clamshells still kind of be in the market in a more standard sense. And there's not that much to be done with a clamshell. So I thought it was just pretty interesting and kind of like kind of cool that one of the major feature upgrades is kind of just bringing Google apps to such a basic device so that you, you know, like at the end of the day, like, that's kind of all you really need is like a little bit of connectivity and, you know, like your most basic apps, you know, things like Google to get you Google, Google maps and things like that to get you around. I don't recall if it has Gmail, but if it does, that'd be a plus. And, um, and then you have Google assistant as well. So things like that, you know, maybe the, you know, for that in particular, I can, I can say like, the the people that would use that device you know when i was chat when i was chatting with alcatel you know they were saying you know it might be like older consumers or even like like young kids where maybe parents don't want to give them a smartphone just yet but want them to have something on them if they they have an emergency or something like that so you know there's not that much that uh, that such a user would need in terms of like major specs to like really jam pack into a foldable clamshell device. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think what I like about it is that it's running KaiOS. So it enables the Google Assistant, Google Maps, all that functionality. And all that is really great. But what I feel like is that the phone hardware wise is a piece of junk. <laughs> like, I, I don't believe that they sell this thing for $90. Uh, no, I know most people are going to get completely for free thrown in as part of a plan, mm-hmm. and I get that. But what I'm trying to say here is, is I don't want to be so negative per se, but I want to explain why. Um, it This hardware does not make KaiOS shine, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to say, well, you, you know, it's a flip phone, and maybe that's, you know, maybe you need to get over that, Miriam. And, and I'm totally fine with the flip phone. I just feel that Alcatel makes $100 phones, mm-hmm. $120 phones that run Android that are much better hardware with that than that. Why not take that kind of hardware and make a flip phone that costs about the same, like $10 more, mm-hmm. and give KaiOS a chance mm-hmm. to shine on some good hardware? And you're going to say, well, what's the issue with the hardware? It's not the fact that it's plastic. I totally get at that price point it's going to be plastic. It's not the fact that it's a flip phone. I totally get that at this point it's perfectly fine for what it is. It's the display. It's terrible. You can't look at it from any angle before it becomes completely washed out. You can't see it in daylight outside. And this is Alcatel. This is TCL. This is a company that makes screens for televisions. Yeah. Like, give us a better display. It doesn't have to be higher res. It doesn't have to be bigger. Just give us a better display. And then the other thing is, I don't care that it's not running Android and it's running KaiOS. That's no excuse to have a crappy camera. I'm talking like the worst of the worst. Like, the $120 Alcatel phone has a camera that's at least usable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not great, but with a bit of Google editing, you're good to go. Um, as long as you don't try to do it in the night. 
But this thing, even in daylight, sucks. It doesn't have autofocus, it's two megapixels, it's terrible, it's got terrible dynamic range. Everything is bad about it. And I'm like, if you make a $120 Android phone that's half-decent Alcatel with a half-decent display and a perfectly okay for the price point camera, why can't you do that on a flip phone that runs KaiOS? And that's my gripe. I mean, it just would be a much better experience if it was had a slightly nicer display and a slightly nicer camera. I could totally be on board at that point. And, and because KaiOS is pretty great. Um, speaking of Gmail, I have to look. But I'm pretty sure it does support Gmail, but not with the Gmail app. Like, it just connects to Gmail, you know? Okay. So, but the Google Assistant, Google Maps, all that stuff really does make a difference. The fact that you can use it as an LTE hotspot is a really cool feature too, yeah. right? But here's the thing, again, cheap hardware. So it's got a Qualcomm Snapdragon 200 series, which is a perfectly fine chip for that price point. But why is it when I put it in hotspot mode, the performance of the hotspot is terrible. Like the speed was like, I was lucky to get a megabit down and half a megabit up. Hey. Like <laughs> if you have hotspot functionality on an LTE phone, give us the goods, right? Yeah. Don't mess with us. So this is the kind of stuff like I just don't understand Maybe it was custom built for the carriers and that's all they cared about and wanted. But I think Alcatel, it's not good for their brand. Like, I feel like they can do a better job um, to make this a worthwhile thing for people who don't want a smartphone or don't need a smartphone. Um, and that's my gripe with it. I, I mean, I'm being hyperly critical because I know what Alcatel can do with Android at 100, 120 bucks. And this is just $10 less than that. And they're not making KaiOS shine. People are going to use this perhaps and be like, well, maybe I'll spend 100, like 120 and get that Alcatel whatever, 1X or 1V or whatever it's called. Well, that's not, those other devices are not US-based, are they? Yeah, they are. Oh, you can okay. buy it on Cricket. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the one series, some of them are available in the US who are prepaid carriers. Um, all I'm trying to say is that, like, I feel like if this phone was $50 and you're going to say most of the time everybody's going to spend $90 <laughs> on this thing, it's going to be bundled, right? Yeah. I'm just saying like if it was cheaper, I'd, I'd be like, okay, maybe. Yeah. But I just feel like for me, I wanted to go ahead and use that phone for a while because I was like, well, the hotspot is cool. It does have a camera. It does have like, you know, some of the Google features. So I was like, I could probably try it out. I'm not, not as a main phone, but just like give it a chance. But mm -hmm. it's so frustrating so quickly because you can't read the display in sunlight. It's so bad looking and the photos are terrible. It's like, it might as well not have a camera at this point you know what i'm saying yeah. so um you can listen to music as a headphone jack uh and that's the other thing the battery is something like thousand milliamp hours i don't know i have to look up the specs but it's like if you're going to have hotspot functionality you need a battery that's at least 2000 you know like you know even though it's a snapdragon 200 and it's running kai os and it's not as power hungry because it's a small display like <sighs> so many corners that didn't need to be cut is all i'm saying the only thing that I could say is, again, we've, you know, we've, we're already in, we're so ingrained in, in smartphone culture that I feel like there is a sense of kind of maybe having to start from ground zero with reintroducing. I mean, I know like flip phones like never went away, but even just kind of the idea of upgrading them for the modern age, I feel like there is a sense of kind of like, okay, it's not just, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the second version or, or whatever of this, they can kind of take 
constructive criticism like that and and come back around. But I really feel like there is maybe that sense that like where exactly does a basic phone, a super basic phone like this fit into a even like for like a U.S. for like a U.S. Um, market, I feel like there is that sense that maybe like a device like this, where maybe if it's a market where it's, you know, maybe very introductory. So this is probably like some of the first tech that they're seeing. But, you know, so there is maybe that sense of that's kind of where a lot of flip phones are at this point. So kind of, you know, if it like really if it's not like super, super basic, as you said, if maybe it doesn't have a camera and it doesn't have any special apps or any special things that it can do. I feel like there that that might be the sense of like a lot of companies that are maybe trying to to bring the the basic standard flip phone into the modern age that's maybe where they're just not sure exactly how to go it's like should you know again if it's it you know maybe you know if it's a bird if it's a like a super like burner type phone like you can kind of you know and and you know maybe even without the without those special features it probably would still be 50 bucks you know so that's kind of it's like maybe that was the the rationale of like okay well it has it's got like google assistant so we can throwing a, a, a couple extra dollars onto onto the price. So I think that might be where the, the demarcation is of like, you know, there everyone has the understanding that a flip phone is super basic, but it's like not you know, if people are now trying to experiment and kind of bring it in as a vi- as an actual like super viable option, it might take a while to like really balance that out. The the quality of the hardware, the quality of the hardware and the upgraded software with the fact that this is still a super basic phone. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, you can look at it as this is just a crappy, cheap flip phone that happens to have KaiOS bonus, right? Yeah. Right. And I think that's how we should look at it. Yeah. And that's the argument you're making, I think, is a valid argument. I'm just coming in from the other direction. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, let's let's move away from that and yeah. go to the better place, right? Of we can't really run Android on these because there's no touchscreen, et cetera. So why don't we just put KaiOS on it, but really make KaiOS shine, mm-hmm. right? Like really give it that, like just, I'm not asking for like, I'm not asking for like an eight megapixel camera. I mean, even like just a five with autofocus mm-hmm. would be okay. A display that even as I said, the resolution, the size I'm perfectly on board with, but something I can read when I'm at an off angle and it doesn't, you know, completely suck in outside in the sunlight. Um, that's really all I need and maybe just a tiny bigger battery. And if you're going to have a Snapdragon 200 in there, we know Qualcomm knows how to make radios. So yeah. why limit? And, and again, this might not be a hardware thing. This might just purely be a, a prepaid data plan thing. Mm-hmm. Although the SIM card I put in mine is a T-Mobile, full, my full-on personal T-Mobile, which is like a postpaid account, right? Mm-hmm. So I know my account's not limited in how f- fast I can hotspot because I have the full hotspot plan, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised that the hotspot was so slow on it. And again, you know, this, I think, is potentially a hardware limitation. And then I feel like if you're going to give us hotspot, then, then do it. Like, don't don't give us hotspot that feels like a 56K modem, okay? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's like, we're not, I mean, it's 20 years ago is over. 
or don't give it to us at all. It's like the camera. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes, like I've kind of given up on the hotspot on my smartphones. Like those even barely work. So I don't even well, know. I use them. I use them all the time, and they're super good. Like yeah. I don't have any phone on all the carriers. All I have different SIMs on different carriers. I have hotspot, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need some good signal, right? Yeah. Uh, but I'm talking about here. I'm gonna like if I compare the hotspot on. You know, like a cheap Android phone versus yeah. this, it's night and day with the same SIM card in the same place, okay. which is what I'm just like, this is a little bit weird, you know? Um, but again, you know, hopefully Brad listens to this and takes <laughs> my feedback hey, and passes Brad, it on. How you doing? Um, I mean, I want, I, you know, hey, Brad, we love you. I, I just like, I just want Alcatel to know that I've seen them do so much better in the cheap Android realm. And I know that they make displays, TCL, their parent company, that's yeah. all they do. So I, I can see the camera and the battery being crap and the, uh, you know, the LT performance being whatever, the hotspot. I get even that can glance away because as, as, as you said, it's better than any flip phone before it. And, and with those features, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and also it's probably going to be given away for free with a data plan anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So I get all that. But the display, come on, that's an Alcatel trademark, right? <laughs> like... Where, 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 what happened there, you know? And, and again, I haven't played with the Nokia that launched at IFA, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I'm wondering because it's, they're very similar. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they might be manufactured by the same. Like, I'm not sure that HMD is making that phone themselves. Okay. And I'm not even sure Alcatel is making that phone themselves because there's so many similarities in terms of specs and features on these two phones, other than the bands. The Nokia one doesn't work in in the US, which is why... Uh, we can't get our hands on it. If if I could have gotten the Nokia, you know, I would have preferred the Nokia simply because it's, you know, the Nokia brand and it's got that heritage, right? Mm -hmm. But... um, from what I hear, it's just about as bad. So <laughs> I'm curious to see if there is any difference. Maybe one day I'll get my hands on one. That's what I would say. If that's kind of like a grand scheme idea, it may literally just be kind of like a sign of the times that we've kind of, we've pushed so far in the other direction that kind of trying to accommodate might be a challenge to say, well, again, that, you know, I feel like especially in like the last two years or so, just in the in the mobile industry in general, there has been such a push to like cater to requests or demands or whatever you want to call them that, you know, it is just <laughs> kind of, <laughs> you know, I if, agree with you. If there. you want to. <laughs> If you know, it's like, okay, you want, you want 8 million cameras. You want, you want five, five, you know, 500,000 milliamp hour battery. Like we got you, but you know, like now it's like, you're trying, it's like, this is kind of like reinventing the wheels. So it's like, you know, like, you know, like, so that like, it's, it's hard to even articulate because again, it's like, even the people, the people that would use this device probably would not have the critiques that you have. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, and I agree, but that's why, you know, as, like, as journalists, it's our yeah. job to, to move the bar forward, like yeah. to go like, okay, you know, we know what you are about Alcatel, mm-hmm. let's push things, let's push the needle forward. But at the same time, I agree that maybe, maybe we're being unrealistic in the sense <laughs> that this, you know, for this market, it doesn't really matter, yeah. right? Um, but you made a good segue and I want to jump right into that segue. Okay. Whoop, I'm falling into it. Plunk. Uh, the Xiaomi um, Mi CC9 Pro, you were just talking about phones that, you know, have all the cameras, all the battery and, and more cameras than you could possibly ever need, potentially. <laughs> yeah. um, and I just want to touch on that because we did mention twice now 
how, you know, when he talked about the Sony, how maybe we should, uh, you know, compare it to the Chinese, and then it's a whole different ballgame. Like, for me, I don't know how you feel about this, but the Xiaomi Mi 9T Pro, which is also known as the Redmi K20 Pro, mm-hmm. is a $400 flagship mm-hmm. with a Snapdragon 855, uh, three cameras in the back. Like, it's it's a big battery, pop-up camera, the full, like, it's the full-on treatment. It's basically the same as a OnePlus 7T, right? Mm-hmm. But with with a $400 price tag. And yeah. that's what Xiaomi brings to the table with that phone. And now they just announced this CC9. CC is another sub-brand of Xiaomi, just like Redmi is. And the CC9 Pro and there's a CC9 Pro Premium um, are kind of insane for their money. You wrote about this. What is your take on this and generally speaking, these kind of phones? Well, that's what that's what I was saying before. It's that, you know, just in terms of the timing and things like that. It's a very interesting time-wise to to put it out right before we're getting into the next cycle of of smartphone of smartphone releases. Because I mean, to be quite frank, once the iPhone and the Pixel are out, like the year is done, you know? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, so to bring a device out, you know, again, there is just that sense that whatever, you know, if anything else comes out after that, it's, it's kind of the runoff. We've kind of got our, our aware, like if anything comes out with a Snapdragon 855, in the you know in, in january and beyond that's pretty much like a mid-range device that you know regardless of whatever you know regardless of however the device is marketed like once the 865 is out that those devices are going to step down so like this is like the last time to really shine and to be quite frank you can cut like it even there's a step down because we have the 855 plus in all of the yeah, gaming yeah. focused in all of the gaming focused devices so like pretty much outside i feel like outside uh i don't even know like does the i can't read the pixel what what does the pixel run it's 855 not plus okay um again but still they can get away with that they can do whatever they want but still there's just like there's just that sense that like again it's like after all of those after that last wave after ifa after everything else anything that comes out after that it's like the value proposition has to be you know, as such for it to be taken seriously. And that's kind of where, that's where the CC9 is. So again, it's like, no one's going to worry about the 855 if you've got five cameras on the back. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but they didn't do an 855. They did a 730G. Oh, okay, okay. The category of phones, a lot of them have 855 and 855 yeah. pluses. Like that Xiaomi that I talked about before, the Mi 9T Pro or the Redmi K20 Pro. Yeah. They, those have 855s. And then, you know, there is... So many of the Chinese phones coming out right now with 855 plus at like the $500 price point, yeah. right? So, so you're, you're totally right. I'm just pointing out that it's funny you talk about this about then the CC9 is a 730G. Okay. And actually, maybe that is a good strategy because the 730G, you know, you're not, don't have that perception it's going to be eclipsed tomorrow by this 865, right? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, look, it's early November. I still think that especially at the price point we're looking at for these phones, right? Like the CC9, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the 400 to $500 price point, we're looking at 
I, I wouldn't say no to an 855, even if it comes out in December at this point, you know, even if it comes out after Qualcomm announces whatever it is yeah. they're going to announce next, you know, because at that price point, it's a steal. Even this 730G, I've played with a couple of phones now with 730G. You know, I have an Oppo uh, Reno 2, which has a 730G. That chip is fantastic. It's basically an 855 plus simplified, you know, or revisited, whatever, at a cheaper price point, right? So it's interesting because I don't think you're going to lose too much uh, in terms of specs on these phones, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like I said, that is the kind of the thing about, I don't know. I thought the, uh, I thought the Mi Note 10, I think that was like before, because I haven't looked at the official, I didn't look at the official specs for the Mi Note 10 yet. So Neither have I actually. <laughs> that could have an 855 for sure. So I was thinking that the Mi Note 10 had an 855, but I don't think it does. I think it has the same chip. Um, but but e like I said, even so, there, like I said, that actually is kind of still like a perfect example of, you know, after after we kind of get like, your your techtobers and all of the the mid end of the year flagships out of the way there there is this kind of sense that like whatever comes out after it's kind of like it's kind of like dare i say it's kind of like it's kind of you know like how like after christmas like that time between christmas and new year is just feels like i always call it the last like last days on earth it's like you literally can do whatever you want and you know yeah, it's yeah. just like you know like i said if you want to put as many cameras as you want on the device if you want to you know overclock it to to all get out you literally can do whatever you want like i said you've got the interesting colors you've got you know even the front-facing camera has you know like has like you know is, is is super high spec and things like that so like literally that is just kind of like it's like a a, a really kind of like I mean, unless they release something else before the end end of the year, that's like a really good way to just ride the year out. <laughs> I mean, that's I wouldn't be surprised. If Xiaomi does give us something else. They they have nonstop every month yeah. or something else, right? Um, but but I'm interested. In, I'm interested in talking a little more about the CC9 specifically because it does have five rear cameras, mm -hmm. and it does have um, a one of them is 108 megapixels, which sounds insane. Yeah. Um, of course, that means it's doing you know combining four pixels into one they're doing the quad by or pixel binning technique so it's really a 27 megapixel camera at the end but still that's insane um and then of course you know in every other way it's pretty nice 730g chipset it does have a 5100 something milliamp hour battery uh it does have you know a lot of ram and storage uh a 32 megapixel front camera with a uh with a teardrop notch i mean the thing looks spec wise totally dope right yeah. and i don't know what the price point is did you catch that in your article anywhere i had it in i had it in yuan i didn't have it actually no no that's another it's th i think it's 3500 yuan which is about 500 bucks yeah. for the premium and then 3100 yuan which is uh 440 dollars okay. like 440 dollars with eight gigs of ram uh, oh, there's a $400 version with six gigs of RAM okay. for 2801. So it starts at 400 US dollars roughly, mm -hmm. uh, with a 4.7 inch display, 5260 milliamp hour battery, 6.47 inch display. I was going to say four inch display. What is this? 2014. 
Um, yeah, no, it's it's kind of impressive. But the cameras, you listed them in your story mm-hmm. there. It's kind of crazy. 108 megapixel Samsung main camera, which is 27, essentially. That is so fascinating because apparently that was like a exclusive collaboration between Samsung and Xiaomi. Like, like Samsung made this lens for Xiaomi. And I'm just like, geez, that's just ridiculous. And now, of course, the rumor is that that same lens is going to be on the Galaxy S11, which is way too far-fetched to even to even fathom, but everyone's writing about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting that Xiaomi did a collaboration with Samsung to create this sensor specifically for this phone. Yeah. And then, you know, they have a 20-megapixel Sony wide-angle camera. They have a 12-megapixel Samsung depth camera, a 5-megapixel OmniVision a telephoto camera and a two megapixel macro camera. That's five. And so what's interesting is that the depth sensor, the Samsung 12 megapixel is actually a two times telephoto without OIS. But the five megapixel is like a, think of five times, I want to say. Yeah. Five times zoom um, with OIS. And of course, uh, the main camera, the 108 has an OIS as well. And then the, the, the ultra wide is 20 megapixel. And then there's that macro, which has really large pixels. Uh, I think 1.75 micron. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the Honor 20 Pro that came out in the summer, or actually in May. Mm-hmm. The Honor 20 Pro has a dedicated macro lens. It has four cameras in the back, and one of is is exactly the same, a two megapixel macro lens with 1.75 micron pixels. Interesting. Weird, right? I mean, but I mean, come on, you see this phone at this price and you're like, yeah. why can't we get these phones? Like, I mean, it's so amazing. I mean, like I said, there's all of, all of the money and all of the bureaucracy and all of that. Though, like, that's a little bit above my pay grade, but yeah. <laughs> the software is also going to be heavily skinned and who knows how updates are going to come out on these phones. There's always that problem, right? Mm. But uh, at the same time, I can't, you can't complain like when... You know, you don't have to look much further than the OnePlus 7T at five ninety nine yeah. to pretty much get something like this, uh, but, you know, with, with better software, right? So we're getting some of that from China here in the U.S., which is pretty exciting, I think. I definitely agree. I mean, like I said, at least, you know, for kind of like enthusiasts, it really is just a very interesting to observe what can be done. You know, like I said, even, you know, some of it, you know, can can appear far fetched, but just, you know, there that I feel like, you know, things like this as as silly as it it may seem. This is kind of like like, again, I feel like in a 2014, 2015 and everyone was complaining about how devices are so boring. And like, this is what happens when you complain, (laughs) you know, so it's like, you know, like it really is just kind of like kind of like an enjoy the ride. Like, you know, maybe, maybe in a year or two, things might even out and maybe something like a triple camera might be more commonplace, you know, but like even just kind of like, there is a, there, especially if the price point is decent, there is a certain majesty in kind of just being able to do it because you can do it. Oh, for sure. And China is all about being able to do it for they can, because they can do it. And I kind of love them for it. And that's why I would love to see more variety for us who are, you know, the audience of this show, the people who love phones and want to buy a phone every six months, yeah. you know, uh, because it's just at that point, you don't care about updates. You just want, you know, you just want to have something cool for a little while yeah. to play with. 
And at $400, getting something cool, a little while to play with, is a lot of better deal than spending, what is it, $799 for a Pixel 4 with 64 gigs of storage and 6 gigs of RAM and only two cameras in the back? Google? I mean, I we talked about this at length on the show twice now, but yeah. I'm a little butthurt by that still. Um, and you know, as you said, the, the Sony, right? 799. I mean, sure. It's got better specs than the pixel, but you know, it's not going to be as good of a phone as the pixel, which is, you know, what you're paying for the experience with Google, but I feel that they're pushing that a little too far. Um, speaking of, uh, by the way, there is a bunch of other phones out there that I kind of like these Chinese phones. As I mentioned, if you are right now, this is for the audience. If you're looking for a phone that is really great at $400, as I said before, the Xiaomi Mi 9T Pro and the Redmi K20 Pro are some phones that I would uh, consider buying. Uh, and if you, want, if you want to get a good deal, uh, go to my blog, tankgirl.com, tnkgirl.com. I've got some good deals there on these phones through my partner, Gearbest. Check that out. Um, v, uh what's your thoughts because I'm realizing, like, we've already been talking 45 minutes. What's your thoughts on the whole Google acquires Fitbit thing? Uh, That's a big piece of news. Yeah, it is. Um, like I said, I wrote about it uh, and and just kind of observing everybody's, everyone's reaction to it. And honestly, you know, like I said, I feel like it's very interesting that a lot of people have such staunch reactions. So, you know, some people are like, oh, this is going to be so great in terms of kind of like hardware development. And then other people are like, oh, don't be so naive. Like, you know, Google's just trying to get at people's data again and things like that. But honestly, at this point, again, it's really and, and not to say that I don't agree with like, I feel like there is obviously there is like that kind of scope that, you know, maybe it's both, you know, there's both, both senses of what may happen, but one, we have, you know, we have to like wait for this, for this to like be, to completely go through all of the government approvals and things like that to really kind of see what would happen. And, you know, I, you know, that's what I've, I discussed in my story. A lot of people are saying like, you know, you know, even if everything goes through smoothly, it would likely take a while for any hardware to even come out. And then if the heart, if it took a while for the hardware to come out, this, I, you you know, the idea of, of Google, you know, fishing for data would, that would still take some time for that to even kind of get into place. And on top of that, I hate to say it, but you know, like you, you want to, you want to root for Google, but who's going to buy this device? Who's going to buy this wearable, even if, you know, even if it's Fitbit and Fitbit is trusted and things like that. But, you know, like, I mean, the reality (laughs) is Fitbit only has one thing going for them right now. They make great fitness trackers that people like because they're used to them and that's familiar. And, and, you know, and again, they probably feel comfortable the level of privacy they get. Right. That's basically what I think. I would say about Fitbit. I'm not a big fan. I don't think they make very good devices, frankly, and their software is not that great, even though they acquired a whole bunch of people from Pebble uh, when Pebble shut down. Um, and, and I love my Pebble peeps from when I worked there. They're really good at software, but I just don't feel like they've really been able to infuse the Pebble DNA into the Fitbit mm. products, unfortunately, for better or for worse. And so, you know, I think that 
if you're coming from that perspective, if you're coming from I'm just a Fitbit user and I've liked Fitbit for a while and I'm happy with what it does as a fitness tracker product, I think that there's two things here. Number one, you're probably freaked out about Google having access to that data mm -hmm. because a smaller company like Fitbit, you felt more comfortable and now you're worried. And you're also worried about what does that mean for my existing devices? Are they going to continue to be supported? All that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very legitimate that you'd be concerned. Um, but my advice to you is look at what uh, Xiaomi are doing with the Xiaomi band. Look at what Huawei is doing with the Huawei band. And you're probably like getting big red clouds in your head right now thinking, oh, Chinese companies, they're going to steal all my data. Uh, maybe, but I've been using their fitness trackers. And honestly, I think for the money, they're way better than anything Fitbit's doing, mm, in my opinion. Yeah. Way better. I mean, a Xiaomi band at $29 just blows away anything Fitbit is doing at any price that's like less than 100 bucks at this point. So consider that. Um, and then, you know, Honor and Huawei have some pretty good bands that are like, uh, you know, in the $40 to $100 range. Um, so that's my, my, my gut feeling. But if you're looking smartwatch, you're talking about smartwatches. I'm not even sure that this Google acquisition is about smartwatches because Fitbit doesn't make good smartwatches at all. Uh, they kind of suck. And Google doesn't make good smartwatches either because Wear OS kind of sucks these days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they need a boost, Google. Assuming for a second that Google is interested in making a good smartwatch, they need a boost. But they also bought a part of Fossil recently, and that was acquired by the Pixel Android division, not by the Nest hardware division, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting. So they have two recent acquisitions in the smart... Um, smartwatch space if you want to count fitbit as a smartwatch player yeah uh, and that's the fitbit acquisition and prior to that's part of the fossil deal that they worked out so my question is are we going to see a pixel watch is it going to be any good is wear os going to get a big revamp is fitbit gonna help in that in some way at least on the fitness tracking side of things i don't know i really have no idea and what does that mean if you're a fitbit customer i also don't know i really have no idea so I can understand how some people are very like scratching their heads and a little concerned, right? Well, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's just like, again, obviously there will be some sort of reaction, but to kind of just like automatically run to the sky is falling as soon as the announcement comes out is a little bit, you know, just kind of like short-sighted. I feel like that's kind of how I take it. It's like all the forms are not even signed yet. So we can calm down until we actually see, have a little bit more perspective of what's going to happen. Cause like, you know, just, you know, that just for like a, a slight segue, you know, now we're kind of starting to see just in this year and in, in the last couple of days, is kind of starting to see just a little bit of headway of the like T-Mobile Sprint merger. And that's been going on oh, yeah. my entire career. And it's just now apparently, you know, really, really, really pushing forward. And we still have to wait to see exactly what happens. So like, I feel like that's just, you know, that in terms of, you know, in terms of like, how will it impact like consumers or you know users and things like that in the long run it really is kind of like a calm down hold tight you know, again let the let the 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 deal be completely you know confirmed and everything before you really start kind of going into your you know complete thing pieces of we're about to like sign our lives away to google just because they bought fitbit <laughs> 
Yeah, no, absolutely. But at the same time, I want to validate the concerns that people might have. Yeah. Right? I mean, it is potentially a problem for some people, and I get that. At the same time, also, for those of us who are like smartwatches and come from a smartwatch background, I used to work at Pebble. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously, I, I'm, I have investment in a way in wanting a good smartwatch. I think the best smartwatch today is the Apple Watch. Yeah. But obviously, if you're an Android user, that's really not a good option. Um, fossils watches and like the whole, you know, ecosystem of Wear OS watches that they make like through Diesel and other companies are pretty good. Uh, but their Wear OS is not even in the same league as Apple Watch, right? And my favorite, honestly, right now is the Galaxy Watch Active 2 um, and uh, my old, not that old, a year old now, uh, Galaxy Watch first gen. Those, I think, I think Samsung has done a very good job with, uh, you know, Tizen on those watches and you know it's not even in the same league as Apple again but it's definitely I feel a better experience than Wear OS and so that's kind of where I'm coming from on that yeah. uh, but I want to see better and and I, you know I, I'm hoping that somehow Google is uh, working on a Pixel watch that really kind of like hit the reset button you know and 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 doesn't use Wear OS, but uses something new they've, they've kind of put together in-house. And maybe some of Fossil's expertise can get in that. And maybe some of Fitbit's and fitness expertise, fitness tracking expertise can go in that product. Um, if that's what's going to happen, and if that's the result of this acquisition to some extent, I think we're going to wait at least two or three years before we're going to see anything. Yeah. You know? I mean, that... So don't hold your breath on a Pixel watch anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it is that, you know, like when we hear from Apple about their wearables, you know, like, you know, they're, they're, they've got that narrative down pat, like, oh, my, my uncle had a heart attack in the park and the, and the I don't mean to laugh, yeah. but, you know, but, and, and the Apple Watch, you know, called, called EMS and saved his life. Like, they, like, literally, that's, that's going to take a while for Google to yeah, get anywhere, right? like to get anywhere near that. So if that you know in terms of to be quite i mean you know to be to be quite frank there if if you want that level like there does need to be that's kind of the double-edged sword of like data access and and things like that of like if you want your uncle to be safe while he's having a heart attack in the park like there needs to be there needs to be a certain level of access and a certain level of comfortability with the fact that we are using these 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 devices and are paying for it. And of course you want to have as much control as possible. But you know, like again, it's like it's kinda, of, you know, there is that certain level to say, like, hey, like if you want the technology to move forward, you have to kind of at least understand you don't necessarily have to like it but understand that you know a lot of these companies will probably go in that direction you know and if you if if the understanding is that you don't you don't support that company with your money then so be it but there i feel like there there kind of has to be that general understanding that that is what a lot of companies do for sure. I mean, you just, it's hard to live in an ecosystem nowadays without having to give away some of your data. Yeah. Right? And I mean, Apple maybe does a better job than some, but I see, I don't think, I mean, I think Google is pretty pervasive, but I think they do an okay job. Facebook is the one I'd worry about. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't buy Facebook where. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, exactly. That's why whoever bought a portal is crazy. I in have my opinion, but that's no just me. idea. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but but uh, you know, speaking of that Sprint T-Mobile merger, I'm not too big on that myself as a T-Mobile customer. I, I'm worried it's gonna make things more difficult and complicated once they merge. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're a Sprint customer right now, you're pretty much effed. Okay. Like, <laughs> I just want to be very clear that you should know that the reason T-Mobile is acquiring Sprint is not for Sprint to survive; it's for Sprint Spectrum. Yeah. And uh, your phones, it's gonna be a bit of a mess in terms of phones working especially if you're a sprint customer you might need to change phones altogether very soon after the merger happens because timo is a rock hard solid totally on board for decades now gsm only Mm -hmm. carrier and sprint is still very very invested in cdma for legacy stuff so i would say it's going to be a mess and i'm not too excited about it Mm -hmm. and as much as the fcc just you know when i okayed it I, i hope that it doesn't happen i hope that these various states that are suing against it happening um you know prevent it from happening because i feel like competition is still a better thing mm-hmm. and i think that sprint on their own you know switching away from cdma and creating their own you know gsm based thing over time and giving their customers a nice transition away from their current tech to whatever they're doing next mm-hmm. 5g i guess is going to be much healthier than t-mobile coming along and saying this is the name of the game, Sprint customer. So, I, I mean, as a T-Mobile customer, I'm only concerned because I'm worried that it's going to dilute to the quality of my product as, because T-Mobile has, I think, the best product today. Um, if you have coverage, assumingly, because, you know, coverage is not necessarily as good as some other networks, but they have the fastest network. They have the some of the best bands to use. I mean, 600 megahertz is pretty sweet. Uh, they're great because their prices are really good. You get free roaming worldwide, which I use all the time. That's my opinion, and that's why I've been a customer with them since before they were known as T-Mobile, actually, since they were known as VoiceStream. Um, and you know, talk to a lot of tech journalists, I think a lot of them will agree. But that, So I'm, I'm a little selfish in my in not wanting the merger to happen there. Mm-hmm. But I also think that if you're a Sprint customer, this is going to be really, really rough. Yeah. So just be aware of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, we talked about crazy Chinese phones before. Yeah. Did you see that TikTok phone? Uh, I, again, just kind of grazing over it, just grazing over stories. I haven't handled it myself, but it's a very interesting, um, it's a very interesting uh, proposition. And it got me into a very kind of odd nostalgia for uh, social media failures. <laughs> Oh, you mean like the Facebook uh, HTC first? Um, that too, but just not so much. Not honestly, not so much even in the hardware, but just kind of like social media in general. Of just or like Vine, yeah. Like that's kind. Of, it's and like even kind of, like like I said, I actually hadn't thought of about, about the HTC first, but just kind of like. You know, a lot of the social media uh, brands that they're they've kind of got their day in the sun and then they want to like jump out and start doing other things like right before their imminent demise. It's like really a smartphone. And granted, it's not for like a U.S. audience or anything. So maybe they can get away with it internationally. But, you know, like you do, like, do you want to put the nail in the coffin that quickly? That's kind of what make, what I think of when I, when I hear something like that. It's like there, again, a lot of the, 
a lot of the social media apps that kind of cater to the younger audiences are kind of like, you know, they have these like very short shelf lives and in the grand schemes of things. And I'm not wishing any negativity on to TikTok, but like I just heard about TikTok like three months ago myself. So, you know, to, to then turn around and hear that they have like a hardware product is very interesting. Yeah, no. I mean, what's interesting to me is that this mode, you know, I'm looking purely at kind of like the hardware. This is another one of those crazy Chinese phone that's super incredibly affordable and has incredible specs. Four cameras in the back. Uh, it's an L-shaped camera pod. Like, I mean, the pod is rectangular, but the cameras are laid out in an L-shape, which I think is really interesting. It's got, of course, a, a teardrop notch in the front. It's got a really beautiful green color as an optional color. Um, you know, and ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, worked together with Smartisan. Smartisan is one of those smaller, lesser-known Chinese brands. Yeah that makes really interesting phones. And so this thing has a Snapdragon 855 plus up to 12 gigs of RAM on some models, 256 gigs of storage, and the starting price is $412. So, you know, you're looking at a quad camera phone with probably starts with six gigs of RAM at $412, but it might even have eight gigs of RAM at $412. We don't know. With a Snapdragon 855 plus. And you're like, you know, yeah, this the cost the software is going to be weird and it's going to have, you know, uh, it's going to have TikTok, I think, on the home screen or something as like as soon as you unlock it, you can go into TikTok sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little crazy. But but like you look at the hardware and you're like, yeah. uh, wow, for that money. And yeah, to some extent, I guess it's subsidized a little bit by the network, but not the network like the carrier, but the network TikTok, right? The app. Um But honestly, if you look at pricing of Chinese phones right now, even the ones that aren't subsidized, it's all. It's all really like in that price range. So this phone will never come to the West. It will uh, obviously never run the Google apps. So even if you do import it because you think it's cool, you'll be SOL. You should, by the way, I will link to it and I'll add a note uh, in the show notes about it that I wrote a story on Android police that's coming out. By the time you read this podcast, it will be published. The story I've been teasing you about forever. I used a Honor 9X Pro uh, for Ooh. a week, the uh, the Chinese version, which doesn't have GMS, does not have Google support, oh my. and it was a nightmare. And I basically described my experience on what it was like as a Westerner, as somebody. I'm sure to say Westerner. I should say somebody who lives in the market where uh, Google is relatively prevalent. And personally, I'm a Google user, of course, as well. Um, it turns out that. Those of you who are like, oh, you know, who needs GMS? I don't use Google services. Like, I know a lot of my European friends don't use Google stuff at all. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't care. Why Why would we even care if the phone doesn't have GMS? Well, see are some of the apps that don't run, folks. Uber, Lyft. Seriously? Netflix. Yeah, all of them require Google Play services. Oh, my. So it's not just Google apps, guys, okay? You don't even need to have a Google account. It's like a major chunk of apps that we take for granted Again, I, I don't want to say in the West, but in the markets of the free internet, right, where we're not behind the Chinese great firewall, are going to not work on these phones. This is a big deal. And so you should read my story because it'll tell you I tried everything and eventually I gave up and I wanted to toss that phone out the window, even though I loved the phone. The camera is really amazing. Mm. I ended up just uh, installing one of the workarounds. There's a couple of workarounds out there that have disappeared now, but if you know where to go and look for them, you'll find those workarounds and they let you re-enable GMS in a very sneaky way on these phones. And I did that. Wow. And now that phone is fantastic. 
fantastic. Wow. Fantastic for the money. So yeah, read it. It's crazy. So do not for a single minute think of bringing a phone from China unless you know a workaround that you can install. Mm. Like, you know, there's a whole Huawei Honor problem. That's a different story. Yeah. That's what I covered in that in that article. But then there is like, you know, if you buy an Oppo or Vivo phone in China, you can bring it to the West uh, or to, you know, as I said, the the rest of the world and use it with Google. You know, generally all you have to do is install Google Play services in the Play Store and it just somehow works, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to do any kind of weird uh, fanciness. There is some, you know, XDA forums is a good place to check solutions to that. But that's because Oppo and Vivo sell versions in Hong Kong and Taiwan that have Google Play services, mm -hmm. right? So they just remove the apps from the Chinese version. But if you reinstall the apps, everything works again, mm -hmm. right? But the, the GSMS thing for Google Honor doesn't work like that. You can't just install the apps and it suddenly works. Mm -hmm. Like, so, yeah. Yeah, this is this is a can of worms so for us, you know, like you and I, Fiona, and our listeners here who are phone enthusiasts yeah. and want to get these crazy phones from China is like, you're just going to be in a bag of hurt if you try it. I was literally wondering if I if I'd be able to smuggle anything from Canada. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I need to start planning some trips. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, it was an eye-opening experience for me because it's it's one of those things that theoretically in your head, you kind of make, even if you're well-educated about smartphones and phones and you've been doing like what Fee and I have been doing, covering this stuff for years and years, you kind of have an assumption. You're like, oh, come on, it can't be that bad. You know, no GMS. I put Outlook on there and I'll be fine, right? <laughs> you have no idea how bad it is oh, and how God. much we rely on Google stuff. It is a nightmare. So be aware of that. Um, I've learned my lesson. I wrote a story about it. <laughs> Fee, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet, where your stuff is? Obviously, some of the stories you talked today, I'm going to link to your blog on that. But uh, tell us where to find you. Um, pretty much all of your standard social is all at Techie Supreme. So that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, I'm also at techiesupreme.com and I am working really hard to start updating more regularly on my YouTube. I actually have a very interesting series coming up myself, um, which all I'll say is that it is a dive in looking into um, technology and astrology. So, Ooh, that cool. is uh, something that I'm working on and I have a ton of unboxings and hopefully reviews and things like that for my YouTube channel as well. Uh, so yeah, everything is Tacky Supreme. Uh, one word, all, all small caps. So that's where you can find me. Like I said, the blog is techysupreme.com. Great. And you should check out Fee's blog. Fiona has... Really good news analysis. I like the fact that you cover news because I'm not a big news coverer myself other than on the podcast. So it's nice to get like, you know, kind of the lowdown. Um, and you know where to find me on the internet, folks. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character Tankerl, but without the vowels. On Twitter and Instagram, that's my handle. Twitter is a place where you should uh, comment on this podcast. If you want to ask me questions or whatever, give share your opinions, share how much you disagree with me, do it on Twitter. Instagram is where you'll find pretty photos of phones and uh, taken with phones uh, there's also a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Miriam that's my full name spelt out uh, you can see my full name on my Twitter account and that channel has a bunch of videos like unboxings hands-on reviews that kind of stuff it's like visual content for 
the podcast. I also want to tell everybody about this new project I've been doing with my friend Murray. Uh, Murray Newlands is a tech entrepreneur here in the Valley, and we've known each other for a while, and we decided to do a podcast together called How to CEO. So it's it's not a permanent thing. I'm kind of a guest for the first few episodes, and we're talking about how to be a CEO because, well, even though I've technically not been a CEO of a startup, I'm the CEO of my own consulting firm. And of course, you know, I've worked at Pebble as a C-level person. So it's an interesting show. We talk about a whole bunch of fun stuff that is related to all the stuff I talk on this podcast. So if you like hearing me on this podcast and you want something that's a bit more about uh, startup culture, politics, and entrepreneurship, check it out. And it's uh, murraynewlands.com slash CEO. And Murray's name is M-U-R-R-A-Y. Newlands is N-E-W-L-A-N-D-S. So murraynewlands.com slash CEO. To entice you to go there, we have a giveaway right now. If you go to that URL, which will be in the show notes, you can win some Apple AirPods Pro by subscribing to our new show, to Murray's basically new show. So check it out at that URL. It'll be in the show notes. Finally, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible.com is where it's at for audiobooks. If you love reading books, but maybe you can't read them because you're driving all day, delivery driver, something like that. There's your opportunity to read without reading. So audible.com is the place to go. They have really lots of selection. I like that a lot of their books are read by the authors. And if you want to support the podcast, because, you know, we do this every week. I do this every week, but, you know, I don't make a million dollars doing it. So if you want to support it, click through the link in the show notes and support the show. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. If you click through that, you get a special deal, 30 days free trial. You can to keep the books at the end, whether you stay or not. And more importantly, you support the podcast doing that. Finally, if you want to support the podcast also, you know, we're on all the big platforms. Mobiletechpodcast.com is URL. Uh, there's an RSS feed there, but we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, TuneIn Radio. Please rate the podcast. Please write a review. Tell people how awesome this show is if you really like it. Because, hey, again, that helps spread the good word. So that's it, folks. Um, Fiona, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. We'll have you on again at some point and stay tuned until next week. We'll have another show then. And cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.